Hi, everyone. This is Jason Neville, Assistant Communications Director with IASA. Before we get to this week's podcast on the Every Student Succeeds Act with our own Sarah Bocek, I wanted to let you know IASA will be offering a workshop at our annual conference September 26th through 28th in Springfield called ESSA, the Quality Framework and How to Use It to Improve Your School. The session, which begins at 8.30 a.m. Friday morning, will be led by Dr. Lori James Gross and Julie Schmidt. Also, a quick clarification on this podcast I mentioned an article uh, that will be running in Leadership Matters about ESSA. We recorded this podcast last week, so the magazine will, in fact, be coming out this week and not next week. So without further ado, here's our IESA's podcast on ESSA, the Every Student Succeeds Act. Welcome to the IASA podcast. Our topic this week is on Illinois' plan for the Every Student Succeeds Act. I am Jason Neville, Assistant Communications Director with IASA. My guest is our own Sarah Bocek, IASA's legal counsel. Uh, before I go any further, uh, I want, want to let everybody know all the places you can find our podcasts. It is available in Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and a number of other podcasting host services. We also post each podcast on our website in our IASA app and share on Twitter and Facebook. Sarah, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Jason. Most people uh, who listen to this podcast are probably familiar familiar with you. But why not let's just start with kind of what your role at, is at IASA. Absolutely. For the past uh, 11 years, I have uh, held the position of general counsel uh, for the organization. So basically, I um, am responsible for contract negotiations as well as adverse actions with our superintendent members, as well as leading some and working towards and working with our educational stakeholders in education policy work, such as uh, the evaluation systems in Senate Bill 315, the employment, our uh, changes in Senate Bill 7, as well as um, have taken um, on um, a role as chair of the Illinois Balanced Accountability Measure Committee uh, with the implementation of the Illinois State Plan. Good. And that last part is why you are esteemed uh, guest this week on the ISA podcast. So let's start big picture uh, with ESSA. Uh, Illinois has a new accountability system under the Every Student Succeeds Act. So to the best of your ability, can you kind of give sort of a brief background? I know this is sort of a hard question of sort of how we got to this point. Absolutely. So part of the Vision 2020 work um, three, four years ago uh, was a vision to see a different accountability system in Illinois. So it was more of a balanced accountability measure. So many people will know that as IBAM, so the Illinois Balanced Accountability Measure. Three years ago, House Bill 2683 was passed, which actually instituted the vision of Vision 2020 through legislation, actually having um, a accountability system that was two-part. It was really, they had a federal component as well as a state component. So no matter what happened on the federal level, that federal piece could be implemented. As we know, accountability tends to shift when we get a new president or um, a new vision for the federal Department of Education. And so the the thought process was that is give the federal piece a place, but also give a state, give ourselves the ability through a state component to tell our individual stories. Um, that was sort of thwarted, not not more than th- six months after it passed, when ESSA was reauthorized. And so when ESSA was reauthorized, it called for a single state plan. So therefore eliminated the bifurcation in Senate Bill or in House Bill 2683. So no longer could we have 
a state plan as well as a federal plan. And so we had to implement and follow ESSA, which then uh, took us down the road of a development of the new state plan um, that isbe has been working on diligently for the last three years. In February, ISA provided 12 workshops around the state to introduce ESSA to superintendents and administrators. Uh, one thing I keep hearing at the office is how this whole process is fluid and things keep changing. Uh, that can be difficult for superintendents who want to plan. So before we go any further, I think we want to. I wanted to ask you this. Can you kind of give superintendents listening to this podcast just an idea of how fluid this process is and sort of why it's that way? For this year, absolutely, it will continue to be fluid because this is what we're calling the implementation year. Um, this is the year that we actually take the plan that was drafted over the last two and a half years and actually put it in practice. Ideally, everyone would have liked a pilot year. Everybody would have liked the opportunity, but given the federal constraints and the federal reg- uh, federal law uh, implementation had to be this school year. So I think th- one of the number one things I want people to take away from is as we look at this accountability system, just as we did under funding, the pendulum is swinging. It's changing in how we look at it. Under No Child Left Behind, it was really a rank, sort, punish type of atmosphere. It was, we're going to give you the rank, we're going to um, punish you, uh, we're going to highlight you in a way that is punitive, and we're going to demand change. That was No Child Left Behind. So many of you have heard me say that you guys are living under the PTSD of No Child Left Behind um, because of that whole rank, sort, and punish. When ESSA was reauthorized from the highest level of um, the federal government to our state officials here to ISBE, uh, really what it what what the the shift changed from rank sort and punish to find highlight and provide services. It is not supposed to be punitive. It is not supposed to be designated as um, as something that is wrong with the school district or that you're bad or that things are not good. It's it's more of a uh, let's find where we need to provide further services for our children. Let's close the achievement gaps. Let's drive resources, drive educational materials, drive supports, drive learning partners, drive everyone to and help those school districts and really create that philosophy that ISBE's been pushing of whole child, whole school, whole community. It's it's really looking at accountability in a much different light. One of the most significant changes in ESSA is the accountability designation. We'll have an article uh well, coming out uh, next week uh, in Leadership Matters uh, that provides more detail to anybody who, who wants to learn much more about this. But we're going to talk about this now because it's such a significant change that superintendents need to be aware of. So what did, what do su- superintendents need to know about these new designations that are going to be rolled out? With any accountability system, and even when ESSA was um, reauthorized, part of that reauthorization reauthorization is that schools had to be given some sort of meaningful differentiation between the um, different areas of where you are in school success. And so basically, when looking at that, when looking at where IBAM was, the political nature of where we are as a state, where we're going, four designations um, were listed in the Illinois State Draft Plan. And in that state draft plan that now has become the final plan, the four designations are um, 
are are in four different areas. And what I really want to talk about those four areas is that it is just that. It is a designation based on a snapshot in time of based on student success indicators and academic indicators. And it is a snapshot of where that district is. So the designation is one thing, but what you do about it, and especially under the state plan, is to me, more of the meaningful side. Mm -hmm. So yes, there will be these designations. It's yet to really come out if we will see the colors or the tiers or what, how we're going to name them. Um, they do have names right now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, part of them we like part of them we do not um but it's really the district is going to get those designations those those annual designations will come out in october um and what you do about it is what's really going to i think drive the systematic change that everyone is looking for in this new accountability system you touched a little bit on this but your superintendent you're going to want to know how does i uh, the state board of education determine these designations uh generally there are four uh, of them right now. So what sort of factors are they looking at, indicators to uh, for these designations for school buildings? And I want let's make sure uh, superintendents understand the difference here that it's for individual school buildings and not districts. Absolutely. So for the for this first upcoming year for the 18-19 school year, you will have designations based on academic indicators and student success indicators. 75% of that score will be based on academic indicators. 25% will, uh, will be on student success. Depending on what kind of building success indicators, depending on what school building you have, whether it's K2, 3, 8, um, high school, a combined building, that will determine the different individual factors that you're going to look for. In the, in the elementary schools, the um, in October, it will be based on 50% will be based on your growth, your growth from the 2016-17 park data to your 2017-18 park data. Uh, more information can be can be found on that. There's an excellent webinar from John um, John Gata at ECRA about how that growth component will really be looked at at the elementary districts. Um, we also will look at proficiency. 20% of that score will be based on ELA, 10% ELA proficiency, 10% math proficiency. And 5%, this is new, will be based on ELA, or I'm sorry, EL, English learners proficiency. So that rounds out the academic indicators for 3.8. And then because of the fact that the other student success indicators haven't been completely built out, the only thing that will be used this year to the tune of 20% will be um, will be chronic absenteeism. Uh, I, it's my understanding there will also be 5% uh, that will be based on the partici student participation of climate surveys. So that's really at the elementary level. At the high school level, 50% of your academic indicator will be based on graduation rate. Um, there is a lot of information on ISBE's website on how that's going to be calculated. Many people have questions about, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth year cohorts, different things like that. That's They've got a really good FAQ on that. Um, if you go to ISBE, type in ESSA, uh, they've got a, an enormous amount of resources for you there. So back to 50% will be based on graduation rate, 5% on EL proficiency, and then 10% on math proficiency and EL, and another 10% on ELA proficiency. So that's going to be your, your academic. On the student success indicator side, it'll be ninth grade on track and chronic absenteeism, as well as um, 
that uh, climbing survey will eventually come online. Uh, it's a little unclear exactly which ones will be used, but that will become very clear in the next um, couple months. Like I said, it's going to be fluid. Things are going to be changing, but those are becoming more definable by the day. Mm-hmm. Well, so the good news is there's no longer just a single test that's going to be the, the indicator for your school. There's a lot more different factors that are going into it. Maybe there's debate about how much you weigh each one, which is very, very important. But it is a significant shift uh, that it's not just one test anymore. There's a number of indicators that are that are being considered. Right. And as we go through further implementation, as the years go on, there will be more indicators come online. Um, I think you hit on a really good point about is it one test on one day Mm -hmm. that determines our accountability. Under No Child Left Behind and and all the race to the top, different iterations, that's exactly what it was. It was on your proficiency. Like, how did those kids do on that day? When on that particular, you know, assessment, um, we thought that to be very unfair and didn't tell the, the amazing stories of our public schools. And so really, we don't love the percentages. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we would have liked more of a 50-49 or even a swing of more student success indicators and academic indicators, given the fact that it's so heavily relied on an assessment. But you know, the federal government is, you know, the federal uh, law is what the federal law is. And, you know, they still dictate a a single assessment should be given to every, you know what I mean, every student in, um, in our Illinois public school systems. And therefore, we're still under that single assessment type of model. Mm -hmm. Uh, The percentages are still there, but the the inclusion and the infusion of growth um, will be I think will be a pretty exciting factor to start looking at. So we can actually see where these kiddos are growing from one year to the next. And that will really highlight in some of our schools that struggle or have a significant achievement gap um, or have some of those issues, we will really get to see and dive into some data to see the good work that those schools are doing. And I think really at the end of the day, that is what everybody's interested in is, is figuring out a way to highlight Right. And drive funds and services in a in a perfect world. That would be what this would happen. Do we live in a perfect world? Mm -hmm. No. Do we know how it's all going to happen? No. Um, Is that the Pollyanna in me? Absolutely. Um, But we we have to be the driving force to get this implemented in a way that's meaningful to us, that we can tell our stories. And if we don't tell our story, they'll tell it for us. So we Mm -hmm. have to make sure that we continue to drive through that Illinois public education is at its highest peaks. We are doing amazing things with our students. We are doing, um, our teachers are amazing. Our administrators are amazing. Our boards of education are amazing and working hard. And, and, you know, do we have places we have to dig in and and work harder? Absolutely. Um, but there are amazing good practices out there and hopefully the system will highlight those. Especially those administrators, they're they're extra <laughs> extra amazing. Right. Okay, so your uh, your your building may have a designation uh, that the state board puts on it using these uh, these uh, indicators that we discuss. So, what does this mean for your district, sort of moving forward? How does how will it affect? Well, you you definitely will get in October an annual designation. Um, we do, you know, obviously there were some preliminary designations that came out recently. Uh, that was due to a federal requirement. But the big push is really in October um, of those annual designations. And you, there will be four different designations. Um, you will be looking at, you know, is your school exemplar? Is your school commendable? Is your school underperforming? Is your school in the lowest performing five. I think it's really important that you go to ISBE's website, you see what the breakdowns are those. 
but I cannot stress it enough. Designations are just designations, right? They're just a title. It doesn't describe mm-hmm. everything or who you are. For instance, there's been a lot of consternation about the term underperforming. And what the, what that basically means is that you have one subgroup, okay? It could mean mm-hmm. one subgroup that is that is operating or has performed be um, below the all students average of the bottom 5% of schools for Title I schools. Mm-hmm. So there there is a subgroup, right? And so the school could be doing amazing things, but there's a gap with that subgroup. And so is that a bad thing? Mm-hmm. No, not necessarily. It's kind of taken out of context. And so what that has to happen is we have to find that context. And what we're finding is districts, as they dig into their own data, they can look at that and then they are they are driving resources and, and, and helping everyone's Everyone is geared towards how can we do best by these kids and how can we get our achievement gaps where they need to. So do we love the terminology underperforming? Do I wish it was something else like emerging or awesome, Mm -hmm. you know, getting there or something like that? Absolutely. But what, you know, if anyone's listening to this from the press or anything like that is that I use this analogy all the time. When we were changing the school funding formula and when we started talking about schools that weren't at their adequacy level. So in essence, they were inadequate when it came to financial resources. Somewhere along the line, and you can't see me, but I'm using the quotes Mm -hmm. with my, you know, with my hands, is that it became acceptable or cool to be, you know, and, and to have that designation because it meant that we were paying attention and we knew the inequity was there and we needed to drive resources to that. And that really drove the conversation of how we look at school funding and school funding has come so far in the last two years. Accountability in Illinois is really not that much different. Accountability has also, the pendulum has swung. And so from that rank, sort, and punish of no child left behind comes this new era of fine, provide services. So if you're asking me if I think Mm -hmm. underperforming is a horrible place to be or the lowest 5%, no. I I think, you know... uh, I think it's a place where we can say, okay, like we need some, we need some assistance. We need to look at this. We need to drive further. We need to, we need to come together as a community and as a school and, and provide some services. And again, I I would tell any administrator that's a designation at a snapshot in time. It doesn't define who you are. What defines who you are is what you do because of that. Um, And I, there is not an administrator or school community out there that I know that is shying away from doing what's right for kids, mm-hmm. period. If you're a school superintendent and you disagree with the designation that you receive, is it possible for an, is there an appeal process in place in the law uh, that you can appeal to ISB? Right. Because the final designations have yet to come out, those those appeal procedures haven't exactly been defined. But what I will tell you is, <clears throat> and I would strongly suggest. Um, calling ISB directly, um, or actually what would be even better right now is to email them at essa at isbe.net. So E-S-S-A at I-S-B-E.net. Tell them you want a phone call back to discuss any data or to discuss anything. They will personally call. I know that they've spent the last week or two or three answering hundreds of calls on from individual districts on this kind of information. And so what I would tell you is that is B, right? And so there's been this transformation everywhere, right? And ISB has done amazing work in the last 
two to three years of really trying to change from um, just not of compliance, but really to a service-based organization. So I think that if you don't get a call back, call us, you know, if something happens, because I do know that one of their number one priorities is to provide as many services and help and supports to the district. We have to remember everyone's under limited capacity. Uh, Funding is always not where we would love it to be, but everyone is absolutely doing the very best with the cylinders that they have in front of them. They're firing on the cylinders they have. They, are, you know, we as an organization are weathering the storm with you. Um, and, and I don't really want to call it a storm, but we're weathering the process. Mm-hmm. It's going to be ups, it's going to be downs, it's going to be trials and tribulations. And um, it will be an interesting year of implementation. Do I envision mm-hmm. everything going really well? Um, of course, in my Pollyanna mm-hmm. world, yes. But do I, do I know in reality that's what's going to happen? Probably not. Um, but I think if we stay engaged, we stay positive, we, we call them, even we call ISBE, even when we have to have the critical conversation, maybe the not so, the not so, um, nice conversation Mm -hmm. or the, the difficult conversation. But I think that as a school leader, you have to pick up the phone and you have to call them, even if you agree or don't agree. So when you're talking about an appeal process or you're talking about, um, a disagreement, or maybe you don't like a policy of it, I don't think they shy away from listening to your opinion. Now, whether will things will change as a statewide or, you know, that's always yet to be determined, but that's another thing with ESSA that is way different than no child left behind. ESSA is a fluid movement at any given time that state plan can change. Um, it, it has to go through a process. It can't just be one day this mm-hmm. and the next day that, but it is not that cumbersome process that we had to go through with no child left behind and asking for waivers and doing all of those type of things. It's not to that nature. It, it's really um, is yet to be seen if it can be as fluid as, as what the federal government has promised at this point. Illinois empower is a term that superintendents have probably heard, uh, I think we should probably just start with giving a quick overview on what that terms mean because there's so <laughs> there's right. so many different terms that you hear in organizations and associations that help. I don't want to make sure I don't want to alienate anybody and make sure they don't understand what we're talking about. So Illinois Empower is a big part of ESSA and helping underperforming schools and uh, in, in schools on the bottom five percent. Let's just let's 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 start there with Illinois Empower and sort of what that means and some of the services that are going to come with that. Absolutely, I think I'm going to back you up even more because I kind of over I went too fast. In the designation, if you find your school with a designation of underperforming, that would mean that you are eligible for targeted support services. If you find yourself in the in the lowest five percent, then you would be uh, what is deemed or eligible for comprehensive support services. So you will hear those two terms um, used. You know what I mean? Used interchangeably. And so if you find yourself in those two designations, then you have the ability to avail yourself to the Illinois Empower Network. So the Illinois Empower Network is basically a group of learning providers that has been vetted through an RFSP process whereby... um, once you're deemed one of those schools that are eligible for these services, you can go in and be able to negotiate with more of a power of the whole the whole collective uh, districts behind you to go find providers, mm-hmm. like a mutual selection process, in order to use the Illinois Empower Network. So all of those 
um, learning providers that are currently being vetted. It's very important to know that the mm-hmm. the providers that were approved last year had to go through another approval process. So that approval process isn't completely complete at this point. And so learning providers are being added all the time to the Illinois Empower Network. So you get your designation, you know you're eligible for Illinois Empower. What that means is that you will then 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 complete what's called the quality framework and what people are referring to as the IBAM rubric. Those are two tools that districts can use to self-assess themselves to help create a plan that is one of continuous inquiry and continuous improvement. The entire goal of the quality framework and the supporting IBAM rubric, which is what the Illinois Balanced Accountability Measure Committee has been working on for the last three years, is to provide a set of tools of best practices out there to be able to self-assess, really have some really deep, needy conversations within your school community, inside inside your school administration, inside your teachers, inside those type of things of saying, okay, wh- where can we be better? Like, how can we do this better? How are we... Um, how are we implementing some of these best practices or where are we in the continuum of continuous improvement? So instead of it becoming like a checklist, it's more of a way of life. So districts who have used advanced ed in the past or Belmont or some accreditation um, institutes have done this kind of work, this really dive, Mm -hmm. this really deep dive and had these conversations. Recently, IBAM just completed with the work of some amazing administrators um, trying to feed more equity into that framework, trying to feed a more equity focus into the the rubric. And so at the core of what we do when we look at our internal processes and our external outputs is are we driving equity? Like mm-hmm. are we are we using our resources in a way that it that gives equitable access to all children? And that has been really powerful work. So districts will complete that framework, that supporting rubric. Okay, they will come up with a plan. Those schools that have been deemed underperforming and or eligible for targeted support system will um, have to create that plan and implement it. Those that are in the lowest 5% and or same terminology in receiving comprehensive services mm-hmm. will um, have to have that plan approved um, before going through. So you go through that, you figure out where it's almost kind of like a SWOT analysis, your, your strengths, your weaknesses, your mm-hmm. opportunities, your threats. You go through that process, and then when you can really start to form a plan of like, how are we going to use these dollars? Because if you're one of those two schools, you're eligible, right, to apply for, um, for monies, right or or support resources financial resources to be able to help use that to pay for the services inside Illinois Empower right um, I hope that makes sense. It's hard okay. when you're not in person to be able to like see how that fits together yep. um, but the idea of Illinois Empower is really to empower districts to make those mutual selection um, processes to find the very best fit to drive change and what's going to give you your biggest bang for your buck based on that needs assessment. Um, eventually, what I would love to see, and I think really the state board's plan someday, uh, is as we move through this, 
is finding schools that will actually become learning providers and districts who will become learning providers. Then it will empower districts to help districts implement because we have so many school districts that have already implemented phenomenal things um, and we're not always the best at capturing them to be able to share it with other districts. And that's something that I know the state board and we and all the educational stakeholders are working on together. But my hope and my my dream or, you know, and just speaking of Sarah, is that eventually we can really do a lot of that peer to peer where school mm-hmm. districts can help school districts. We saw a lot of that with the IBAM pilot, which is 30 school districts who actually piloted that framework and rubric um, before it's being launched this year, later this year. So it's basically this whole network is, you know, you get that designation, you figure out where your designation is. Um, depending on that designation, you do, um, you, you, you walk yourself through that kind of analysis of the quality framework and rubric. Um, and then you come up with your plan and then you figure out what provider will help you implement your plan. Each school district and each plan will probably be a little bit unique to its own. But can we give a couple examples of things that plans might include? Uh, will it be like professional development opportunities for teachers? Will it be uh, just additional bodies in the building in the form of teacher aides or somebody else helping kids in the classroom? Uh, will it be uh, so different kinds of social, social emotional learning supports? What are some of the types of things that could be in these plans that could help schools improve? All of the above, okay. right? So basically when you go through it, you will figure out like what do we need what do we need or what kind of supports or what kind of resources do we need to drive? Maybe it is professional development on cultural um, sensitivities or, or um, cultural diversity. Maybe it is how do we get the community and family more engaged in to create this whole community, whole school, whole child. Maybe it's um, when you look at your board governance, right? How your board and administration and your policies and procedures, do they impede what needs to happen um, in, in a district. So all of those areas, right, there are, there are seven standards in the framework that, peop- that you will look at. And it's really looking at things like culture and climate and uh, student learning and family and community engagement and continuous improvement and, um, you know, learning environment. There are those things that are, are board governance. It's, it's going to be those things that you really take a look at at each level of how your school's firing on all those cylinders. And and what comes out of that is clear sometimes of how you can best utilize. At the same time, right, we have a new funding system. And mm-hmm. so um, when implementing the funding system, remember these are two sets of different funds, but when you're implementing, you can also take a look at your um, plan, your your um, your under evidence-based funding, you know, and sometimes... It, it may say, like, you know, you need this many social workers per kid, and, and if it fits within, that might be a bad example, but if it fits within what is usable for those federal dollars, then that might be able to supplement, you know? So I don't want to tie the two completely together, but as you're coming up with your spending plans under the EBF, you also will have this rich data analysis that you've done of your own district of how you can utilize other funds as well as those funds to move a comprehensive system going forward. It's really trying to tear down the silos and have more of a comprehensive look of, of, of how we do this. 
you, you, you mentioned something, and I just want to make sure I, I believe at this point is clear, and I think superintendents might have this question, because when you said about uh, m- money being available for, to help these schools, I think you said that that was federal dollars and not state dollars. Can we just be clear on that? Because everybody is well aware of Illinois and the financial problems there. Right. This, pool, this pool of money would come from the feds? Correct, and it's distributed um, slightly different. It's, it's, it's very similar to where, you know, that the uh, improvement process before as far as dollars flowing um, to SIG schools and different things like that. So it's a very similar, it's mm-hmm. it's those monies that we're talking about. We're not talking about yeah. what the General Assembly, the Illinois General Assembly just appropriated through the EBF. Yeah. That is not, that. those are two it's separate kind of, things. And state boards sort of the pass-through organization for all the schools and federal dollars. And I can't stress to you enough to go to the ISBESO website constant things are constantly putting up there. ISB is currently in development of an FAQ and they're currently, um, you know, looking at different aspects of financial distribution. Um, so these things will change. They are going to constantly change. Um, but there's also resources out there like we've never had before. Uh, let's put a wrap on this. I think we said like it would be 15 to 30 minutes, but depending mm-hmm. how long you talked and you had some very good answers, it was very informative. And I right. think superintendents will be appreciative of uh, the knowledge that you shared today. So. And all superintendents know that I talk a lot, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, just let's just put, what's sort of the biggest thing that superintendents need to be prepared for about the implementation of ESSA? I think the biggest thing is knowing um, what the indicators are and what are the pieces to the accountability system, understanding the designations, not being afraid afraid of the designations. Remember that designations are just, you know, a combination of those different factors. And then really looking at how do we continuously, you know, inquire and improve as a district, as a school? How are we talking amongst our buildings? How do we communicate with our communities? How do we close those achievement gaps? How do we drive equity, right? So in a lot of ways, yes, it's those designations um, and it's this new accountability system, but I think what's even more powerful is what we do because of it. Um, And I can't stress enough, tell your stories. Superintendents have to be ready to tell their stories of the amazing things that are going on districts. We have some exciting things that is at, at IASA that we're d- in the development of. Um, if you're, you don't know, there's an administrator academy you can bring to your area. We will also be bringing it to each region. Um, those dates will be coming out soon, but that's really a deeper dive into ESSA. Uh, we are working on um, some information with ECRA, um, that information will also be coming out soon on really how to tell your story in districts. Uh, that's exciting stuff. You know, Ralph Grimm is is beating the pavement for our organization as well as many, many superintendents as part of our ESSA working group. Um, amazing individuals from all over the state that have dedicated tons of time and effort. Um, we appreciate our partnership with IPA uh, through Sue Holmes. Uh with all that work out there. And we do, I, I think I'd be remiss not to say that we appreciate the good work that, that ISB is doing. Um, again, do we always agree with everything? No, but are we, are we a critical thought process, thought partner with them? And do we want to do what's absolute best for schools in a way that will make meaningful change? Absolutely. I mean, our mission is to maximize the success of all students. And I think that with all hands on deck, this might be able to change the pendulum um, and change the story and the narrative that so desperately needs to happen in Illinois. 
All right. Well, thank you very much, Sarah, for uh, sharing all that information. I think a lot of superintendents will be appreciative. Uh, and remember, uh, IESA Podcasts is available uh, on Apple Podcasts, so you can subscribe to it, and it'll pop right up on your phone just like your other podcasts do. Uh, for those who get podcasts on Google Play Music, if you have an Android phone, uh, it'll be there. Uh, we're also available on a bunch of other podcasting service, but I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of superintendents just listen to us. We, we share it in our INEd Education. It's in our ISA app. You can go on our website or our mobile site, uh, and the podcast will uh, will show up there as well. Uh, all right, Sarah, thank you for joining me, and uh, hopefully we'll be back uh, next week and continue to, continue to do these podcasts for everybody. Thanks, Jason.